What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and with Curtis still working on final exams this week for his first semester of law school, with me today on the show for, this might be the entire mailbag show, but it might only be part one. We're not exactly sure how long it's going to go today, but for at least a mailbag show is my coach, Charlie. So, Charlie, did that game on Saturday suck as much for you as it did for me and a lot of our listeners out there? Well, I didn't expect us to win, but it was a pretty bad showing. It was tough. It was tough. We kind of had this conversation on the show yesterday on the recap show that I did, kind of talking about like what emotions were kind of going through our heads. So I'll kind of pose that question to you. What was going through your head as you sat there in the bins and watched that beatdown occur? Well, I know you talked about this on the last podcast, but it was a little embarrassing just because we couldn't keep it anywhere close. The game was embarrassing or like you were embarrassed? Yeah, the game. game. I I can take that. Yeah, I can use the embarrassment of the game. It was just one catastrophe after another. It clearly was not our day. Like, you know, from the first drive, dropping a touchdown pass from Fromm, Simmons did, and then Jake missing a wide open Demetri Robertson later in that same drive, which maybe could have been a touchdown pass. And then on LSU's first drive, we bat a ball down, could get, him in a, could get them behind the chains, and what happens, it bounces right to Joe Burrow's hands, and he takes off for a 16-yard gain, converts the first down, moves the chains, and then they go on to score on that drive, which probably wasn't really a touchdown, but it wasn't close enough to overturn. I get all that. But, uh, yeah, it was just, you could tell from the get-go that it just was not our day, especially when you saw that Swift was not really going to be a factor in the game from, like, drive one. So, yeah, um, it was tough. It was tough. But we've talked about that enough. No one wants to relive that anymore. I know that I don't. So let's go ahead and move on. I know we've got a a bunch of questions to get to today. So uh, let's go ahead and kick things off. All right, let's start with a big-picture type of question first, Tyler. Derek says, getting blown out and no-showing in the biggest game of the year – Losing our all-everything recruiter in Sam Pittman. Losing out on Mike Bobo to a division rival. Losing Swift. Blaylock tearing his ACL. Stubborn dedication to an antiquated BS offensive scheme. Is all of this the beginning of the end of the Kirby Smart era? The beginning of the end. Wow, we're going there. Uh, I really appreciate the question, Derek. I really do. And I totally get the frustration. Trust me. I, I, I get the despair. Because I'm kind of there right now. I understand, you know, finishing uh, the first team out of the college ball playoffs for the, for the second year in a row. That is incredibly frustrating. And it was a bad, bad showing on Saturday and uh, on a national stage, all eyes upon us. Uh, losing Sam Pittman on the heels of that certainly does not feel better. doesn't help the feel of things. Uh, Mike Bobo, I know a lot of people had their eye on and had their hopes up that he would end up here in some capacity. And we'd even discussed that on this show. And I said, I was all for that. I do love Mike Bobo. Would have loved to have him back on staff in some capacity. So losing out on him and then losing him to South Carolina, who is a division rival. I get that. Realize that DeAndre Swift's not going to be back next year. Uh, Andrew Thompson will out there that in there. Dominic Blaylock tearing his ACL. Yes, I know people are still really fresh over the offense after only putting up 10 points against LSU. I know it seems hopeless right now, but I, so I get all that, but I, I, God, I'm sorry. I just can't go as far as saying the beginning of the end of the Kirby Smart era. Like if us finishing number five in the college playoff rankings, one spot out of the college playoff, which I know is where we want to be, obviously I'm not trying to make excuses, but to say that it's the beginning of the end. So what does that mean for the other 125 teams in FBS? Like, are they living in some post-apocalyptic wasteland? Is that is that is that how the world is created now? I mean, is that is that the world we've created with the college football playoff? Maybe it is. I don't know, but I certainly don't feel like this is the beginning of the end. It's like still only year four of the Kirby Smart era. Think about this, guys. In th- in four years, 
We're going to play in three New Year's Day bowls, three New Year's Six bowls. We've got one national championship appearance. We've got three SEC title appearances, one SEC title to show for it. Uh, the beginning of the end, I mean, LSU is incredibly good, guys. They are really, really good. And we have some deficiencies. We all knew about that going into this game. Like, I, like the, I, I get being frustrated with the loss. Um, because I, I, some of us kind of talked ourselves into the fact that we could have a chance against LSU and things that had gone entirely according to plan and we played our best game of the year. Yeah, we could have had a much better chance, obviously, but that didn't happen. Um, and, and then you factor in all the injuries in that game, just the situational stuff. Like, I, I'm not like I'm not going to kill our coaching staff over this over this one particular loss because LSU's a buzzsaw. They're really freaking good. Uh, without Swift, we had very little chance. And you got without Cage, we were already behind the eight ball there. Pickens not playing the first half, so I know you can sit here and say I'm making excuses, but the beginning of the end, no. I mean, we've been recruiting lights out for three, four years now. We three straight top three recruiting classes, depending on what service you look at. Depending on what service you look at, I think Rivals has had us number one the past two years. So uh, I, I mean, no. The beginning of the end, no, no. We're still very much on an upward trajectory. Uh, now we've, we've got to fix some things, absolutely, but. All programs have things they've got to correct. I mean, Alabama's got things they've got to correct. They've, and that, they've had those issues in the past, and they've gone and they've corrected some of those things. They've had all the, the talk when the spread offenses were first coming to vogue and how they, like Oklahoma a couple years back in the Super Bowl, just ate Alabama alive defensively. And uh, Alabama had to go, and they had to change. They had to, they had to adjust. And they, that was not the beginning of the end for them, which a lot of people were kind of writing at that time. So no, absolutely not. This is not the beginning of the end. I I don't I don't want to like tell people how to feel. So if you feel that way, by all means, go go that way. That's that's cool. But for me personally, I I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. Uh, I want to get to that next level. I want to win a national championship as badly as anyone. There's no doubt about it. But I, I'm sorry, man. I, I think it's a little much to sit here and say at this point after finishing number five out of 130 teams nationally, that is the beginning of the end. I, I think we need to kind of come back to earth a little bit and realize how good we have and what Kirby Smart's built here in a very short amount of time. And, they, and I, I'll say this too, like Kirby Smart's still a very young coach. I think he's going to continue to get better as a coach as years go on, as he gets more and more comfortable in this position. He learns more as a coach, uh, or he's more he's new head coach, I should say, new to that position for, for the past four years. So no, I think we're just fine. I, I really believe that. All right. Well, with Selection Sunday, you also have the coaching carousel that gets started. So with the news officially breaking last night, Tyler, and a day of rumors and reports, Sam Pittman is officially the new head coach at Arkansas. Congratulations, Coach. So for our first couple of questions, we're going to go with that development. Greg asks, how much does the loss of Sam Pittman hurt our program? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a kind of a whirlwind. Were you following it closely yesterday, Charlie, on uh, Sunday? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, I, I was an idiot and kind of following that very, very closely. I was one of those those nerds who was, not only freaking out about it, but just watching the development because it does impact our program no matter what. I mean, I, that, certainly whatever decision he made was going to impact our program. Uh, so it looked early on like it was going to happen. And I, I talked about this on the show, uh, on the recap show, that I heard some like faint whispers about it uh, a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago, but I didn't put too much stocking as I figured he was way down the list. That's what I had heard, but they just struck out on everybody. And so as the day went on, the rumors got more and more serious, and then you start seeing reports that it looks like it might be a done deal, waiting for that official announcement. We didn't get that uh, before I recorded the show, the recap show, uh, but we do have that now. Uh, so losing Sam Pittman, that hurts. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and put on a, a happy face and say, oh, no, we're fine. Sam Pittman is an incredible recruiter. As good of a recruiter as we've had, 
at, a, at the position coach, as a position coach, in a long time. I mean, he's got stud after stud, five star after five star recruit, and he's a really good coach. I think he's a better. I think it's fair to say he's a better recruiter than he is a coach. He's still a really, really, really good offensive line coach. I'm not trying to discount his abilities there either, but I think his number one value came in the talent he brought into the program. Some of those guys. Um, played at an all-American level. Some of them, I, I don't know if they played as well as or played up to their capabilities. So, but a really good coach and a great, great recruiter, just a great ambassador for a program. We all love the yes sir and the videos, the pom poms after every commitment, all that kind of stuff. We all love that. So losing him is going to be a loss, uh, especially in the short term. Trying to lock down this class with guys like Josh Braun and and um, Tate Ratledge. All those guys, like we, we, we want to hold those guys down, and we want to keep them committed to the G. And without Sam Pittman, if we don't get someone here quick, that all that could potentially be in jeopardy. So yeah, I mean that could hurt our program. And then moving forward, like, are we going to recruit at, at as high of a level on the offensive line? That is slight. That has to be at least somewhat concerning because if you think about our offensive scheme, if that does not change, it's very dependent upon the run game, which is very dependent upon the offensive line play. So if we don't get a guy in here that can recruit the offensive line at, at, at even anywhere close to the level that Sam Pittman was able to over the past four years, then that could certainly be an issue moving forward. There's no doubt about that. So look, it, it hurts, but I also say this at the same time, like this is what happens to elite programs. And you can argue with me all you want. You can say we're not an elite program. I think we've we've reached that status. No, we have not won national title. We've been right there for three years now. Uh, but this happens, whether you're Alabama, uh, whether you're Ohio State, there's turnover. Oklahoma, there's turnover on your staff. When you're doing things the right way, everybody wants to emulate what you're doing. They want what you have. And so this is kind of what you want. I mean, you don't want your guys to live. In an ideal world, you'd have all your position coaches stay forever. But when you have guys, have teams come poach your guys like this for promotions, now if it's a lateral move, that's sometimes, that's not always the best sign. But when Sam Pittman's going from an offensive line coach, not even from a coordinator, but from offensive line position coach to head coach in the SEC, going for going from a little over $950,000 a year in, in his salary to $3 million a year with some really great incentives. Did you see some of these incentives, Charlie? I didn't see the It's like $250,000 uh, bonus for like six wins to getting to five hundred. I was wondering if you would negotiate that because you almost have to to get somebody to and go for there. Every year that, one thing I saw in there, every year that he gets to a bowl, he's a five-year deal, $3 million a year. So every year that he gets to a bowl game in that five-year span, he gets a, a year extension every time he makes a bowl game. So that's a great deal. I mean, who, no one's going to pass up. He, and he has land in Arkansas, allegedly wants to retire there. His wife, he and his wife have had those plans for a while. So, I mean, this happens. Like, this means you're, as a program, doing something right when teams respect you and you're coming to get some of these these coaches that you have on staff. So I, I don't think that, I mean, that it's natural. It happens. And the cool thing about it is, we were a really great program. We are a highly attractive program just by any coach in America. All the other offensive line coaches out there can look at our program and say, wow, Sam Pittman just made the jump from offensive line coach in Georgia to head coach in the SEC. Wow, that could be me. Let's go to Georgia. So I think we'll have, I, I don't want to sit here and say we're going to just have our pick of the litter, but we're going to have no shortage of high quality candidates. And I think Kirby will go out and get get uh, the best candidate out there on the uh, on the, uh, the the block out there. I think we'll we'll be fine. Okay. Well, the next question is from Christopher. So since Sam Pittman is gone, how do you feel about Matt Luke possibly becoming the new offensive line coach? Before I answer this question, I do want to put the caveat out there that by the time we have this show posted. We might already have a new offensive line coach. So I just want to put that out there. We're recording this Monday night. It'll be up Tuesday afternoon or early evening when I get a chance to clean it up and get it all up there, get it loaded up. 
So just want to put that out there with the early signing period. The hiring process is accelerated, especially when it comes to position coaches, because you have built these relationships with all these prospects. You have them committed. You work so hard. You put so much time, energy, money, effort into getting these guys on your commit list, and you don't want to let them kind of just slip away at the last second because you don't have a guy on staff. You don't have a guy to go visit them and kind of shore them up before this early signing period. So it's really important to get a guy in here. So there's certainly a, a, a possibility, a good possibility, I would even say, that before you guys get a chance to listen to this, we already have a new offensive line coach. So I just wanted to put that out there. But you know, honestly, as soon as the news started to kind of trickle out that it looked like Sam Pittman might be heading to Arkansas as their head coach, uh, Matt Luke was the first guy that came to mind for me. Obviously, I knew he was available. He's a former offensive line coach. He kind of had what Pittman had. Like you get elevated from offensive line coach to head coach. Now his situation was a little bit different, obviously, with the whole sanctions and that whole deal with Hugh Freeze and, and hookers and whatnot, doing crazy stuff. But still, offensive line coach to head coach. So Matt, and Matt Luke's known as a great recruiter. His players absolutely love him. There was like a borderline mutiny, at least the reports were, when uh, Ole Miss went there in the team meeting and told the players that he was not going to be returning as the head coach. Uh, reports are that there was at least a mini mutiny of sorts there. The players just love him. They love him. He's a, and, that's, and that's the same thing with, with Sam Pittman. Players love that guy. And it's just that natural bond you're able to build with guys. That's what recruiting is all about, being genuine, being yourself, and being able to build those bonds with, with young guys. And I think that from what I understand, I don't know a ton about Matt Luke other than, than what you've heard uh, since he's been a head coach at, at Ole Miss. But from what I understand, he is in that vein of Sam Pittman. I'm not saying he is Sam Pittman, but... He's uh, he's in that vein as a recruiter, as a as, in terms of also being respected as an offensive line coach. And he also brings a name, which could be something that would be attractive to some of those guys that we're still trying to keep in the fold on the offensive in this offensive line class. So I think Matt Luke would certainly be a good option. Another name to, to, to watch out for, and I don't I know this would excite the fan base as much, but I would be okay with it. DJ Looney is a guy who is here. It's kind of like a gratis. It's one of those support staff members. When Kirby first got the job, and obviously Sam Pittman was here, and Looney was very instrumental alongside Sam Pittman in really kind of building out that offensive line that we have now, at least the early stages of the offensive line that we have now. And he went to Mississippi State, which is that which is his uh, his former school. That's where he played at as a tight ends coach. And now I uh, forget where he is right now at the top of my head, but he he's a guy that I, if, if we don't hit Matt Luke or something like that, Kirby really likes to hire guys that he knows personally, that he has worked with personally, so he knows what you bring to the table. He knows how you work. He knows how you recruit. He knows how you coach. And DJ Looney is one of those guys. Like nobody really heard of Dan Lanning when we hired Dan Lanning, but Kirby had worked with him at Alabama. He knew Dan Lanning. He'd worked side by side with him, seen him coach, seen him recruit, all those things, seen him interact with, with players. Uh, you can say the same thing about DJ Looney. So Matt Luke would probably be first on my list right now, but... Yeah, DJ Looney is just a guy to kind of you know put in your back pocket there, and I, I would certainly be okay if we went that route as well. And before I move on to the next question, I do want to remind you guys real quickly about our good friends at Vivid Seats. So the regular season's come and gone. The SEC title game, well, we all know that one's over, and we all know how that one ended. But we still got another game left on the schedule this year, so we got a big-time matchup, a New Year's Six Bowl game against the Baylor Bears. And if you want to be a part of the, the fun, if you want to help ring in the new year in the Big Easy to help cheer on our dogs against Baylor, Vivid Seats has 100% got you guys covered. I was actually looking at their, their prices in the selection earlier today to kind of get a feel for what was going on, what the prices would be. And I, I was surprised at how, how great the prices are. Still a great selection out there. So if you're looking to have some fun for New Year's, 
Vivid Seats is the place to go. And uh, just go to the App Store or Google Play today, download their Vivid Seats app, and you will automatically be enrolled in their Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program where you're going to earn some credits back. And when it's time to buy, when you find the right tickets, all new users just enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Okay. Next up from Jamie, and you mentioned this a little bit a few minutes ago. Do you foresee any current offensive linemen or recruits following Pittman to Arkansas? Yeah, that's always that's always a concern. Anytime you you have a coaching change, especially a position coaching change like this, it it it's something you you absolutely have to think about. You cannot just ignore that. Because a lot of these players, like you always want players to commit to the school and commit because they want to go to that school. But let's be real, like they build relationships with these coaches that are their primary recruiters. And in Sam Pittman, like I said, he's one of those guys who just goes in there and just builds these truly authentic, genuine relationships with guys. So when he leaves, like any coach that leaves, you know, you're, you're concerned with that. But a guy like Sam Pittman, uh, who's almost single-handedly responsible for building out this recruiting class or these this offensive line and, and resigning all and re- recruiting getting these guys committed, signing these five-star offensive linemen. Yeah, it's a concern. And obviously the guys you got to watch out for, Broderick Jones, Tate Ratledge. Uh, Broderick Jones is a guy that uh, he's a five-star offensive lineman. He's been committed for a long time. I think he's been committed since like April 2018. So uh, well, like almost like a year and a half basically. He's been committed for a long time. But uh, news came out last week before the whole Sam Pittman stuff came down that he was going to take an official visit to Auburn this weekend. It's like, whoa, okay, that's that's weird. But he but he had our coach's blessing and that kind of thing. Our coaches were aware of it. But maybe he had some advance notice that Sam Pittman was strongly considering this. I don't know. So that's something that, that certainly bears watching. There's no doubt there. Josh Braun's a guy from Florida that we were able to to get from out of state and to keep him from the get him out of there from the Gators away from Florida, and they wanted him badly. Uh, so that's certainly something to watch here. I, I know their offensive line coach is going into their into the Bronze home this week. Uh, Kirby is certainly going to try to do everything he can. Let's not forget, guys. When we talk about like does this hurt us with recruits that we have right now? Yeah, it's not going to help. But let's not forget that we have one of the best, if not the best, recruiters in America as our head football coach. He's on this. It doesn't mean we're going to be able to lock down all these guys, but Kirby's going to do everything it takes to get these guys locked down. So that should at least give us a little bit of comfort there. But, I mean, it's, it's certainly possible to lose one or two of these guys. Hopefully we lock them all down. But uh, whether it's Roger Jones, Ratledge, maybe, and Braun might be the most likely with him having in-state ties to the Florida Gators. But, uh, yeah, it's possible. I can't discount it entirely. All right, now we have a series of questions about the offensive coordinator position and the offense in general. Alexander asks, Coley is a fantastic recruiter and has brought us a lot of great players, but what's the point of recruiting great players if we can't put them in a good scheme? He goes on to say, do you foresee any offensive staff changes? Do you think Kirby has it in him to fire Coley and move in another direction? Might we see a passing game coordinator or new quarterback coach? He can't imagine us just running it back next year with Coley. Yeah, Alexander, these are all great questions. Um, these are big questions, things that we need the answer to. Uh, but the last part there where he's saying, I, I just can't imagine us running it back next year just with Coley. Uh, I can imagine that uh, just knowing how Kirby is, you know, some, he, for better or for worse, sometimes he is, a lot of times he's very stubborn. And I think he believes in what we do offensively. I think he does. You heard him after the, uh, after the SEC title game. And he put he, he flat out was very blunt, said basically pointing out that it, he felt a lot of it was the personnel at wide receiver. Uh, I, I think he believes in the scheme, and I, and I don't and and I don't necessarily know that the scheme is 
is I don't, I don't know that we can't win with this scheme. I think we have a question about that later on, so I'm going to hold off with that because we've been really good with this scheme in the past. But I do think the receivers are part of the issue. So I, I'm not saying it's going to be Coley and Coley alone again next year, but I, I can certainly imagine a world where that is again the case. I, I can certainly see that just knowing how Kirby operates. But do I foresee any offensive staff changes? Obviously now with Pittman, that, there's going to be a change there. We went over that. Um, but look, I do think that Kirby has it in him to fire Coley if he thinks it's the right move. If Kirby truly believes it's the right move, that's what's best for our program, I think he would do it. He, like Kirby wants to win more than any of us, guys. I, I can say that with 100% confidence. He wants to win, I would say, not even just as much. He wants to win more than any of us. It means that much, this guy. He's that driven. But he just sometimes thinks that he thinks that he thinks about things in a different way than we do. And I will say he has more information to operate off of. He just sees it a little bit differently. Uh, but if he thought that James Coley was the issue, even though they're pretty good, for, they're, they're good friends, they've been coaching together for a while, I don't think that would hold him back from making the move that he thought was best for the University of Georgia. I really believe that. Now, maybe I'm wrong, and you could totally disagree with me there, but if he thought truly it was in the best interest of the University of Georgia to move away from James Coley, then I think he would do it. Uh, and he thought if he thought it was in the best interest of the University of Georgia to bring in a passing game coordinator like LSU did with Joe Brady this year to go along with James Coley, like they did with, with Inzminger at LSU as the offensive coordinator, I think Kirby would do it. Well, whether he will or not, whether he thinks that's the right thing to do or the, the move that we need to make to get to the next step, I, I can't say. I can't say with any certainty because I, I don't I don't talk to Kirby. I'm not privy to the internal conversations there. Um, but I think there's a possibility we could see a passing game coordinator uh, or maybe a new quarterback coach. But for it to be a new quarterback coach, like we have to get rid of somebody on staff. So do you get rid of your special teams coordinator to make room for a quarterback coach? Do you think having a dedicated quarterback coach is more valuable than having a dedicated special teams coordinator? Maybe it is. And we saw some, I mean, I think you can make an argument that we saw some regression from Jake Fromm the last third of the season in terms of his accuracy. Uh, I think so. I think he was making great decisions, but uh, accuracy, I think that was certainly an issue at times. So maybe we need to bring in a quarterback coach that's, that's got a little bit more experience, uh, a little more of a pedigree coaching quarterbacks than James Coley has. He hasn't really been a, a true like quarterback guru type coach his entire career. I mean, heck, he was coaching receivers here the first couple of years, then moves over to the quarterback. Uh, and that was basically, I think, something Kirby gave him to keep him on staff, to keep him from going to Texas A&M. So, uh, yeah, look, it's a tough question. I, I don't know. I, I totally get what you're saying. Like, in fact, like Coley is a great recruiter. And, and that's I think that's part of the reason Kirby keeps him on staff because we know how much of a premium that Kirby places on recruiting. I mean, Kirby, you saw it. Did you see, Charlie, what Sam Pittman said in, in his introductory press conference today? I didn't see it, no. Uh, some of you guys might have already seen this, but um, he was asked a question about recruiting. He's like, yeah, I thought, it knew, I thought I knew what it meant. Something along these lines. I thought, it, I, thought I knew what it meant to recruit really hard until I went to Georgia and saw how Kirby Smart recruits. That's recruiting on steroids. So Kirby Smart absolutely places a premium on recruiting. And James Coley is a great recruiter. He's also a pipeline for us into South Florida where there are a lot of really talented players like Marcus Rosemey, who's coming in this year. I think he's going to be a stud receiver for us to go along, alongside uh, George Pickens in, in the next couple of years. So there is value there. But I, I do get what you're saying, Alexander. I, I think there is... Some truth in what you're saying that, yeah, bringing in great players is a start, but what's the point of great players if you don't actually deploy them in the correct way? And, and that's the thing I've always said about, about building a program. There's three big things you got to do. you gotta, you got to get the personnel. You've got to acquire the talent. Then you have to develop the talent. You have to coach them up, which I think we do a pretty good job of. And then you have to deploy the talent, right? Deploy your resources. So acquire the resources, develop the resources, 
and deploy the resources. The deployment of the resources right now is the issue. The acquiring the resources, not a problem at all right now. Like we're, we're recruiting as high, at high of a level as anyone over the past three, four years. Developing the resources, I think we've done a really good job of that. I mean, look at guys like Eric Stokes, for example, uh, underrated three-star, in some services, a two-star recruit. And look at him. I mean, this guy is a really good football player for us. Maybe not an all-American type guy, but he's come a long way in a short amount of time. You say the same, the same thing about JRE. JRE was a transfer from freaking Tulsa. No one's talking about JRE. People thought we were just taking him so we get D'Angelo Gibbs' his cousin. And look what JRE turned into. I mean, all-SEC caliber safety with a potential with an NFL future. So we've developed our resources. It's the deployment of the resources offensively that was the issue this year. So, yeah, I, I, I do think that is something that, that you have to take into consideration. But again, I will say Kirby is working with a lot more information behind the scenes than any of us are. I know we're all frustrated because we all want to win. But I will go back to what I said earlier uh, to start off this question. I If Kirby thinks it's in the best interest of the University of Georgia to fire James Cole and go in a different direction, I think he'll do it. I'm just not sure he thinks that's what's in our best interest. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out over the next week or so, but right now I'm just not sure. Okay, we're going to continue with the theme of offensive philosophy. Chris asks, do you think the beatdown in front of the whole country this past Saturday will get Kirby to make an offensive philosophy change? Down the stretch, it seems like the offense had no identity. and They could not run or pass effectively. It's another good question. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Uh, I do think there's a possibility a good possibility that how not just this one game, this game was certainly the icing on the cake, but uh, the, the last half, last third of the season, how that went down offensively, as frustrated as we are, guys, again, Kirby is just as much, if not way more frustrated than all we are. He knows, like we all know, we had a championship-caliber defense. We had a championship-caliber kicker, although he missed some, some important kicks this year. That's fine. Um, but we just didn't have it offensively. Uh, and I think it comes down, honestly, though, Kirby – it's, does he think it's more about the scheme or does he think it's more about the personnel? If you listen to his comments over the past couple weeks, I'm leaning towards him thinking it's more about the personnel, specifically the personnel at wide receiver. So I, I don't know. Like I know there is a world where you could say, yeah, this could this kind of this loss would be kind of the shock to the system that could cause Kirby to go in a different direction, kind of like what happened to Nick Saban when Auburn started to bust out all those uh, RPOs and his defense was getting carved up because you have these offensive linemen that are four yards on the field. His defense is read and run. They're throwing balls over their head, and that caused him to kind of go in that direction. It was a shock It was a shock to their system. So maybe this is our shock to the system. I don't know. It could be. But I'm still saying, like, just listen to what Kirby has been saying. I just have this feeling that he thinks it's more about at personal receiver, and I think he's going to go recruit that position heavily. I think that's going to be his response. Recruit that position heavily and get talent in here. Because he thinks our system can still work. He's seen it work in the past, get us to a national championship game if we have the right personnel. So, I don't know. It's possible what you're saying could be true. But I, again, also see a world where Kirby's like, nah, that's not the issue. It's more so personnel. All right. John and Brian have a similar question. They want to know, if you were choosing an offensive coordinator or another offensive coach to change the offense, who would it be? And then also, do you think it's time to change the offensive scheme? Saban changed at Alabama. LSU changed. Is it our time to change the archaic, outdated pro style? Okay, so we're not talking about what Kirby Smart thinks here. We're talking about what I think here, what Tyler thinks. Um, and John, I, and I, I try to answer this on Twitter a little bit there, kind of respond to you, but I'll say it again here on the show in case you missed that. It's not that I don't agree with you necessarily that we need to change our offensive scheme. What I guess my point has always been I think our offensive scheme can work. Like You can win at the highest level with the scheme we've been running the past three years. 
Again, we got to the national championship game a four, a second and 26 in overtime away from winning the national title two years ago. Okay, with that same offensive scheme, with a true freshman quarterback. Two, last year in, in 2000, uh, the 2018 season, our offense was top three nationally in offensive efficiency. Our offense was not the problem in 2018. It was our defense that was not up to par in 2018. That was the issue. If we had, if we had this year's defense, last year in 2018, we're in the playoff. We might win the national championship. Like I'm dead serious about that. Our offense was was good last year. It really was. This year was the inverse. It was the defense that was elite, that was top five nationally, essentially every major category, whereas the offense was not up to par. Uh, so I, it, to me, it wasn't the, so not, I guess what I'm saying, is not, it wasn't the scheme this year. I, I'm kind of with Kirby on this. I do have some issues with the scheme. We'll talk about that in a second. But like, we can run the same scheme we've been running if we have the right personnel and win at a high level. We've seen it in 2017 and 2018. We were right there both years. Our offense was not the problem. It was defense in 2018. But if I had my choice, would I change schemes? I would certainly, I would say this, I would certainly be very open to the idea of incorporating far more spread principles into our offense than what we currently do. Uh, I think we moved somewhat more in that direction this year, but the problem was we just didn't have the personnel at receiver, which we've talked about ad nauseum. Uh, and look, I, I don't know if I want to go like full on like Washington State type spread. I don't know if that's the answer. Uh, I would if I if I could have my pick, I would I would start recruiting dual threat quarterbacks exclusively, almost exclusively moving forward, and I would run a system akin to what Oklahoma runs because. They spread you out and they utilize the entire field, but they have a mobile quarterback each of the past whatever many years that can make you pay not just with scrambles, but actually in the design quarterback run game. And I've talked about this before in the show. I think that offense, the key that offense is not the passing. I know they put up big numbers in the passing game, but they dice people up in the run game. They just absolutely destroy you in the run game. And it's a very creative, innovative run game with different kind of RPOs and quarterback runs attached to all these different... I mean, it is truly a form of like the triple option, a modern form of triple option. But they also throw the football as well because that's one of your options. Instead of the pitch, you got the you got the, the pass, which is like that third option. Uh, I would love us to move in that direction. To me, that's the key. Because if you look at... And you guys know I love Jay Fromm. I do. Uh, I think he's a really, really good player. But he has some limitations, and the biggest limitation is is his athleticism. He just doesn't even he doesn't move even like a guy like Joe Burrow, and and, Joe, and Burrow is not the level of an athlete as like a guy like Justin Fields or Kyler Murray was last year. If you look at each of the four teams in the college football playoff, they all have athletic quarterbacks. Three of them have what I would call like true dual threat guys. Even Trevor Lawrence is a I, Trevor Lawrence. If you watch him play this year, guys, I don't know how much Clemson you watched this year. They have unleashed that dude in the running game. Uh, that dude can run the football. Maybe not quite the athlete that Justin Fields is, but he is a, such an underrated athlete. But you got Justin Fields, you got Jalen Hurts, you got Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow. At the least, everyone of them can absolutely make plays with their legs. We saw up close and personal on Saturday in the SEC title game with Joe Burrow. Just a backbreaking play, spinning out of his sack and extending plays with his legs. So I would move more in that direction, and I would like to run something very similar to what Oklahoma runs, which is kind of Lincoln Riley's own modified version of the air raid. I know it's in the same family of Mike Leach at Washington State, but it is a very different animal because Oklahoma likes to run the football, and they run power football with that spread scheme. That's what I would like to see us move to a little bit more. Is our scheme outdated? Yeah, I mean, it, it is. And again, we've moved, like we're moving away from that more and more um, each year, but like we're still, like we still like to go with our tight, heavy sets, go with that, 
uh, that 12, that heavy 12 personnel, get everybody in a phone booth in the box, and you allow the secondary uh, defenses to be able to simultaneously defend the run and, and also cover receivers. You're not utilizing the entire field. You're not stressing defenses. That's what we got to do. Whatever we do, we have to find a way to put more stress on defenses. Because right now, we are just simply not stressing them near enough. All right. The next question comes from Scott. And it builds on what you've already touched on a little bit. So was the loss ugly enough to force Kirby to make some offensive changes, or does he double down? Post-game, Scott saw he's... Kirby's already blaming a lack of wide receiver talent and execution, and those were issues. But when he, when is he going to realize that a just good enough offense is wasting his baby, the defense? You know, this is a really interesting question, and it, it is similar to what Chris asked a, a few minutes ago. But the last part there uh, intrigues me a lot, where, where Scott says. Uh, those are issues, but when is he going to realize that a just good enough offense is wasting his baby, which is the defense? I think Kirby's getting there. There's a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was going into the Tech game, or maybe it was the, the opening press conference of the championship week. I can't remember when he's talking about uh, offensive football and, and, and how you match up with LSU. And he made the comment, and I can't remember it verbatim, but something to the effect of, like, and you, you hear people say this, but I heard, and this was coming straight from Kirby's mouth, he actually said it. That's it's like you know offenses are, are winning football games and you just, like basically it used to be the the truism that defense wins championships was true where you know you could you could hold a team to three points and, and you could score six and win a football game but college football has changed so dramatically over the years with some of the rule changes and some of the innovations offense with RPOs and, and the spread offense and all and, and the rise of dual threat quarterbacks that you that you can't just sit here and say that and this is what Kirby was saying that. Defense wins championships anymore. He doesn't know how. He said, "I don't really know how much how true that is." Something to that effect, because you got to score points to win. He and I think it was along the lines of like, you had to play just enough defense. You had to play good enough defense to win championships and score enough points to win. So when I heard Kirby Smart say that a died in the wool defensive guy say those things, like you hear people say that a lot nowadays. Like you just need enough defense to win championships. But hear Kirby say that, that kind of caught my caught my attention there. Or grab my attention and uh, cause me to slip and, and, and take notice of that. So I think he's starting to come around there. Like again, I go back to what I was saying earlier. He wants to win. If it's just a, it's a matter of his evolution as a head coach. As has he gotten to the point where he realized that this offense scheme that, scheme that we've been running is not going to cut it against the elite teams that we're going to have to beat to get to the national championship game. And I don't know if he's there because I think he still looks back and says, wait a minute, 2017, I was just a play away from the national championship and we were running the same offense. 2018, our offense was good enough to win the national championship. We just weren't good enough defensively. And I think he might see this year as the anomaly. And, and again, go back and say, it's the like, like you said there, Scott, the lack of wide receiver talent and execution. So I don't know where he is in his mind and the evolution as a head coach of saying, okay, we need to change things. Um, it takes some guys some time. I don't know where he is right now. And I, and I will say, I also heard him say many times, and I believe this too, you have to build your offense around the talent of, of your players and the, and the skills set that, that they have. And if you look at what we have on this roster offensively, we have big offensive linemen, we have really good running backs, and we have average at best wide receivers right now, with, ex, with the exception of George Pickens. He's going to be really, really good. But if you look at that makeup of our offensive roster, I get what he's saying. Like, why would we go with an all-out spread type system? We don't have the personnel to do that. Because like, if we went with LSU's scheme this year, it wouldn't have looked anything like LSU because we don't have the playmakers outside right now, outside George Pickens, to do that. They have they have the playmakers to go to 11 personnel exclusively, essentially, and just make you pay. They can run the football in that setting and also throw the football and just cut you up either way. We don't have that 
ability right now is we don't have those players. So from that standpoint, I get what he's saying in that, yeah, you know what? That might be great to do it if we had the personnel, but we don't have those guys right now. We have big linemen, good running backs. That's what we're built to do, and that's what we're going to do. So what I would say is, if we want to start changing things, I think he's getting closer to that point. And that's just me kind of reading between the lines. I think he's getting closer to that point. But if we want to start doing that, we've got to go recruit to that. We have got to go get dynamic playmakers to the wide receiver position. I know he's trying to do that. We've had some misses at the receiver position in in, in recruiting. And I, and I kind of went over those in the recap show. So you can check that out if you missed it. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's, it's just tough to say where he's going to go from here. Uh, we're going to find out, though. We're going to find out, and we're going to find out pretty quickly. But, uh, all right, guys, that does it for us today here on the Glory UJ podcast. We do have a, a bunch more questions to get to, but we've actually got to get out of here today. We're going to be back later in the week. We'll finish up the mailbag. So if you didn't get your question, there's still time to get in. Please send those in. And one of the other reasons we're holding off on the rest of the questions is we want we want to wait to see if there's any more developments on the coaching front and or the recruiting front with early signing period coming up here pretty shortly next week. So uh, we're going to hold those questions until later in the week. And uh, again, if you have any questions that you have not sent in yet that you would like us to, to discuss on the show, please feel free to continue to send those in. You can hit us up on Twitter at glory underscore UJ. You can also email us. And that address is gloryujpodcast at gmail.com. But thanks for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>